is Becky Morrison, founder of the Butterfly Society. And if you want to learn how to level up and be successful through masterminds, then you should listen to my good friend, Brandon Straza with The Mastermind Effect. You love to learn, grow, and improve yourself, but you're still not where you want to be? The right mastermind can be the ultimate secret weapon when it comes to personal development, but trying to find the one that's built for you isn't always easy. Welcome to The Mastermind Effect, the one and only show that focuses on helping you cut through the noise, invest in yourself, and move past your natural limits. This is everything you need to know about masterminds, brought to you by your host, Brandon Straza. Hey everyone, today we've got the founder of the Butterfly Society, Becky Morrison. Becky talks about how to avoid the rabbit holes you could go down. Becky gets into what it truly means to define success by figuring out what makes you happy. Becky gets into starting with the landing of where you are right now, then using that as a platform to launch into a happier life. Check it out. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show where you know I believe the only way to unlock your potential is to tap into the experience of others. But before we get into today's amazing guest, are you a results-driven coach or have a mastermind and want to grow your community by eliminating the other social media distractions? The Success Finder is a coach's exclusive platform to share courses, announce events, and initiate engaging discussions. If you want to eliminate the distractions of social media noise and restrictive algorithms, while also reducing the number of systems you commonly use to manage content delivery to your communication network, then head on over to the App Store and download the Success Finder. Click in the chat feature on the bottom right-hand side and message me, Brandon Straza, the host of The Mastermind Effect, to find out the next steps. And if you're looking for the right coach or mastermind, download the Success Finder and we'll help guide your journey. All right, on to the show. We have got the founder of The Butterfly Society, Becky Morrison. Becky, welcome to the show. Thanks, Brandon. I'm really excited to be here. Absolutely, absolutely. So hey, when the listeners realize all the value that you're bringing today and want to reach out and work with you, where is the best place, social or personally, that they can reach out to you? The one-stop shop is my website, and that is very easy to remember. It is untanglehappiness.com, and you can find me on all the socials there. You can learn everything you need to know about what I'm up to in one place. Awesome, awesome. Hey, you know, I always like to start this out. So when the listeners, when they they really chew their teeth into this one, they know immediately what they're going to get. If I were to sit there and say, Becky, what's your superpower when people work with you? What would you define your superpower and what you do? So there's a reason that my business is called Untangle Happiness. What I'm spectacularly good at is taking very, very complicated situations or concepts and making them simple, Uh like untangling a big knot. There you go. So it's simplifying things that we as humans probably just kind of mucky up. Yes, 100%. Awesome. Love it. Love it. You know, kind of winding back a little bit. When you and I were younger, it was textbooks and teachers, (laughs) you know, our, our, our coworkers, our, our, our employers, our friends, our family, the people around us. But that's literally a sliver of what's possible when it comes to, you know, what we can do today. How has your learning changed from your early years versus today? Well, so I will say this. My second choice superpower was going to be curiosity. So I am insatiably curious, like problematically so sometimes. Like I'm that friend when you're out somewhere and somebody's asked a question, I'm the one who Googles the answer all the time. 
And not like later when I get home, but like right there at the table. So some might say that that's rude, but that is how my learning has changed, right? Like we live in a world where we have the literal world at our fingertips 24-7 if we choose to. And so what I have found is that that can be a real benefit because for insatiably curious people like me, we ha- we can go and learn and learn right away and we don't have to be restricted to looking it up in the set of encyclopedias or the almanac or when we get to school and actually have access to more, um, which is awesome. But it can also be a huge distraction when when we don't know when to say when, you know, when we don't know when to say like, now's not the rabbit hole moment, now's not the time to go on the dive or just this isn't the rabbit hole for me. And so for me, a big part of growing up in into this world has been really slowing down enough to be intentional about which which pieces of curiosity I truly chase. So yeah, and I, I think that, that's interesting. You know, it kind of goes into the next thing I want to talk to you about is how we take in information and how there's just literally there's an abundance of it, which can be kind of confusing. And that's, I mean, rabbit holes. Geez, I, I've purchased a, a dog off of a rabbit hole, um, <laughs> you know, probably started a few companies off of that. I mean, like mm-hmm. if you look at it, the rabbit holes sometimes are beneficial and sometimes it's like an hour later, you're like, what am I doing here? Like yes. what, what, what did I even start to? And that's one of the things with social media. Like I could go on there. Someone says, Hey, I sent you a message over there. 10 minutes later, I don't even know what I'm doing there. And I forgot who I was actually going there to communicate with, but yes. you know, it just shows how, you know, how many sources are out there today and how it can be confusing. Some people, they learn from accountability buddies, some online courses, masterminds, lots of ways to learn. Who are you currently learning from? And more importantly, how did you reach out and connect with them? So um, the biggest sources of my learning right now professionally uh, are people that I found through social media. And so I'm part of a mastermind that is run by a woman in Canada. Her name is Becky Keene. And I didn't just pick her because we share the same first name. Um, but she has a mastermind called Brilliance that is all about um, – it really is for service providers in the digital space but kind of universally – who want to bring a balance of the masculine and feminine energy to their sales process. And so that's one person I'm currently learning a lot from, and not just from her, but from this wonderful community of women that she has built. I'm doing, I'm getting a lot from just the interactions with the other folks who are similarly situated. And you know, as an entrepreneur, it can be a little lonely sometimes. And so you really do have to be intentional about curating a community of people around you. The other big source of learning for me I guess these people technically I didn't meet online. The other answer to that question would be, I got my executive coaching certification from UC Berkeley. And there is a community of certified Berkeley coaches who is pretty active, not super active, but pretty active. And I learn a lot from time I spend both in large groups with that that group, but also in smaller kind of cohort groups. It's nice to have people who came from the same place and we can talk about what we're doing. And not all of those people are running coaching businesses. Some of them are embedded inside of companies doing coaching or other work. And so just being able to keep those connections alive and have that common shared experience has been really delightful. How did you originally, if you don't mind me, you know, obviously UC Berkeley, there was a connection there. Um, Previous education, is that right? So I have not. No, that is the only thing that I've done with them. Okay. Um, When I decided to, that I wanted to get certified as an executive coach, I looked at all kinds of programs and landed on UC Berkeley because it seemed the most different from the education that I had already had. Okay. I wanted, if I was going to learn how to coach, I wanted to be pushed outside of my comfort zone and I wanted to learn new tools. And so I also considered programs at Columbia and Georgetown, which are excellent programs. Yeah. But very much more, at least from the outside looking in, much more traditionally structured, much more, 
you know, kind of professionally focused where the UC Berkeley brought its own little Berkeley spin to it. So a little more based on, um, you know, the founder has a TED talk, his TED talk is entitled leadership is love. So much more based in the, in the heart and the feeling side of things, which is something I had not been educated on. Right, right. And, and so by being able to have access to it, I mean, it, 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 it really spoke to you. Now, when you found mas- the mastermind, I think it was called Brilliance, and yes. it was, you know, the other Becky, how did you find that? How did you vet that? How, how did you know that, hey, this was the right place, the right people for you? So interestingly, I mean, it, this is the way that connections for me have always been made. When I first started my coaching business, I decided I needed to figure out how social media worked. And I had come out of a long career in law firms because I'm a lawyer by training and working the last, the previous decade at a firm that really didn't allow us to participate in social media whatsoever. Like we weren't even allowed to list our employer for a long time on LinkedIn. Like, yeah, like epically different than the world that we live in now. And so I was like, I need a quick education. So I found a woman who was doing some doing an online course about social media. So I I did that and she upsold me on like a consultation hour. I did the consultation hour. She said a coach you might want to check out as you're developing your brand is this other Becky. And so I followed her for probably 18 months before I joined her mastermind. So how did I vet her? I watched how she showed up. I tried the things that I could access. I bought some of her lower ticket offers to make sure that like what I was seeing when she showed up in public was how she would be if we were to work together. And so I really, it took me a minute to really like buy into, yes, this is somebody who I vibe with. This is somebody who I feel like I can learn something from. This is somebody who is ahead of me enough that I feel like I can, by being in her orbit, gain the skills that I need as my business grows. Wow. Yeah, I love it. And you know, I mean, like, taking the time to vet to make sure it's the right place. That's that's one of the tough things the way that the market works right now is you you have to literally either a choose someone that has you know, like and trust and someone says, Hey, you need to go look over here. But still, even when they have that blue checkbox, you know, figure the mm-hmm. blue checkbox, it still can take time to have that trust factor go in there. Because if not, you know, you're investing in the most important investment in your life, bigger than the housing market, bigger than the stock market, bigger than um, cryptocurrency yep. yourself. That is the yep. biggest investment I think that people need to really focus on is we, we invest in so many other things. What happens when you invest in yourself? You can control that. You cannot control those other three things. You can't control so many other things. Why not invest in the one thing that you actually have the greatest impact on yourself? Yeah. That's, that's what, I mean, that's where I see it. Yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And I, I guess I would just also add like in the past three years ish that I've been in this world, um, because I didn't get into masterminds or coaches or any of that until I kind of landed in this place. I've tried some programs or some masterminds or some groups or even some coaches that weren't the right fit for me. And so I've also learned a lot about how do I connect with what I actually need? Cause that's the, that's the biggest thing. Like it can be over here's the shiny penny and that is the outcome I want, but is their support and what they're selling, what I actually need? Is it a good fit for me to achieve that outcome? Not are they selling an outcome I want? Cause there's a lot of people who are selling the outcome I want, but let me find the person who's selling the outcome I want and teaching and behaving and surrounding themselves with people who are a fit for me, who align with me. Wow. Only if there was a place that could help speed that process up. I, I mean, mean, I mean, if I only, can you do something about that? <laughs> I know we're on it. We're on it. Just because you said right there, you know, masterminds have been around for a long time, you know, dating back to, if you think the first one 
probably kind of was the apostles. And then from there, you know, <laughs> uh, Benjamin Franklin, he creates the Junto Club. And then eventually this guy, Napoleon Hill, he, he writes a book on it and really solidifies the word of, of masterminds. As education continues to evolve and change just with, you know, the way the world is anymore, where do you see the, the differences or the similarities even between self-education, coaching, masterminds, mentorship versus standard education, university and college? Where do you see them going moving forward? Hmm. I like that question. You know, it's inter- and it's especially interesting to me because I've got a daughter who is entering her senior year of high school and we've been talking a lot about what her career and life could look like. And the conversation that we are having about what she could be doing looks and sounds so different from the conversation I had with my parents because there are so many possibilities available to her in a digital economy that were not available when I was going to college. And so it's like, that's amazing, but also overwhelming. And so we've talked a lot about how do you find people and resources and mentors? And how do you not limit yourself? Because this has been one of the biggest lessons I've learned by by having by joining these kind of mastermind groups. How do you not limit yourself to just your coworkers, to just your organization? And I wish I had known the value of that sooner. And I did have, I mean, like, look, I'm, I'm no stranger to networking. I had people in my professional network. I participated in associations. I went to conferences. Like I had peers. We, we would meet for lunch. It's not like I didn't do it, but I didn't do it in an organized way, the way that masterminds work. And I, I see now the value that that can add, not just for people who are operating in more entrepreneurial spaces, but kind of for everyone. And so I do wonder how you, how you teach that, how you integrate that into the learning at a higher level. And does it mean that the, the landscape of education changes? Do you really need a full college degree to do everything that you want to do? And how do you know, like the challenge that I see is how do you know that when you're 18? <laughs> you know, like, and I'm, this is, this is literally the conversation that we have all the time. I'm like, you know, where do you want to go to school and what do you need in order to do what you want to do? And how sure are you about what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd say I'd go back to, I think it was like episode zero, episode one. I actually talk about unless my son wants to be a doctor, a nurse, an engineer, does he need that four-year degree? Does he need that piece of paper to sit? Now I've got it. Okay. Um, I, and, and I can sit there and say, it, I have the piece of paper. That's literally now, did I get more eyeballs when I was younger and being able to go into corporate America? Absolutely. But I was always looking for when I was going to be exiting corporate America and building my own trust my own success mm-hmm. based off mm-hmm. of my decisions out there. But it's a conversation I have with my six-year-old. You know, we talk about that, you know, when he wants to start his first company, when he, you know, solving a problem, um, you know, r- wanting to be helpful over being right. Yep. And, and so I think those conversations are happening at a younger age because the speed of technology, the speed of information and how we can connect with people is it, it's just different now, you know? Yeah. It's yep. just downright different. Yeah. And I mean, so, you know, I'm a, I'm a lawyer turned happiness coach, which is like, what, how does that even happen? But, um, and I definitely don't feel like I need the college degree I have to do the work I do now. On the other hand, I wouldn't have had the experiences that I had without the doors that the degrees that I had open for me. But the other conversation piece of that conversation, and you hit on some really good stuff when I talk to my kids about it is also even zooming further out to what do you want your life to look like and feel like? Yeah. Like, what is it that you want? What is truly going to make you happy? You know, we said uh, there was something that I remember you had mentioned at 18. How are you supposed to know what you want to do? I'll be honest with you. There's 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, so on and so forth. Like, 
I don't care what age you are. I think the age you know when you want to do is like between the ages of zero and 10. You know, I want to be a firefighter. I want to be an astronaut. And, 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 and you truly believe that. But as we get older, we, you know, we, we corrupt our mind with all these other disbeliefs of what we can and can't do and what happiness and success really mean. And I think we get it when we're kids and we should just probably stick with wanting to be an astronaut when you grow up. Or let me offer an alternative perspective that what we know is what we want our life to look like. And the only word we have for that at that age is astronaut. We know that we want to be exploring. We know that we want to be pushing boundaries. We know that we like science. We know that we want to be doing adventurous things. And so what that looks like when you're 10 or six is astronaut, you know, or it might look like cowgirl or, (laughs) you know, insert thing here. But like, there's, there's something under that about what our life needs to look like or what we believe we want it to look like that is actually real and relevant and probably pretty core to who we are. And so if there's a way to dig down to that, um, maybe that allows you to have a title other than astronaut yeah. uh, and still have the same satisfaction or still be kind of hitting those core points. Yeah, no, I love that. That that makes you simplified. You know, we talked about how you simplify <laughs> things. You just simplified it. And that's why, and I'm talking to the listeners right now. I'm even talking to myself. I'm talking to my six-year-old son. That's why you need someone like Becky in your life. She's going to help simplify, clarify, and get you that happiness factor. She's got the word happy behind her. Uh, But you're going to find that happiness factor. You know, in the solo show, sometimes we talk about success and what does it take to be successful, the pillars of success. And a few of those things, mentorship, experimentation, partnership, willingness to fail. Mm -hmm. And on the flip side, willingness to define success. And so I kind of go back to the conversation we were just having about like, you know, we use we use the place of astronaut and, and how we're defining things and why so many people don't define success is because in turn, when you do that, you have also defined failure. And so we truly don't define success because if success to me is going to being at every one of my son's baseball games and I miss one, technically I, I failed, you know, by that set of definitions. What do you think is a key factor in people defining and and creating their success? I there's so much in what you just said, right? Like I think that part of defining success for me is about keeping it keeping it directional, not not necessarily so tied to the metrics. And so the example you gave is that like if I go to every one of my son's games, well, you've just set yourself up for failure because if your car breaks down, you get in an accident, you're sick, you have a crisis at work you have a crisis in your extended family, like you've just failed by your measure. If instead what you say is, I want to be a present parent, then you can talk about what that means. You can define some um, indicators of being a present parent, but you aren't tied to a particular performance in order to have that success. So for me, when I work with clients to define success, that's the kind of stuff we're talking about is a, what is your top priority in this season in your life? And how are you going to know that you are honoring it? Yeah. And if we can answer that question, then we've defined success for this season. And oh, by the way, it can change. Because six years ago, you didn't have a son whose games you had to be at. And maybe even like a year and a half ago or two years ago or three years ago, he didn't have games. And so what, you know, what will it mean to be a present parent as he grows up? What will it, you know, what, what will it mean to be a present parent? And where will that fall in the priority list when he's out of the house? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, like when I define success and I feel like I'm getting a therapy session. (laughs) So, you know, in in my younger years, when I started my first company, I defined success. I was always putting a number, a metric, Mm -hmm. a bar to it. And, and then I put a timeframe. So another bar, another metric. And every time I reached it, 
I didn't feel fulfilled. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, didn't set it high enough. Got to set it even higher and even a shorter time frame. Then hit it again before and again, didn't have it. And it was really defining what success was to me. I wasn't. I wasn't defining what success was. And then when I became a parent, I love how you 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 sat there and you're like, it's seasonal. You can change what success is to you. And it has, it has completely changed. You're a parent. I'm a parent. And success can change over time. But I think defining where you see success and then drilling down a little bit further, getting a little bit more in the weeds of it is super important on how we define and why we should choose to define what success is to us. The other thing that I think is important, what you just said is we do this to ourselves and, and the world kind of does it to us. We get on this, this ladder where we think we, that success means moving up, right? That each level of success is going to be greater in some way than the last level of success. And the easiest way to m- measure that is dollars, but there's other, you know, titles. Drop the notion that success is linear and drop the notion that success has to be an upward trajectory. Yeah. Just let success be what success is in your season. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to share one that I shared with Becky before we go on, you know, before we move on. Success was unraveling and untangling a lot of things to take more naps, spend more time with family. And, and it was there, there, the, the upward trajectory. If we, if you have to have that was the smiles, the moments, the, the, the minutes that were given back. And, and, and there right there is, has, isn't a metric that I can sit back and measure. You and I talked about previously about the time that we got with our children last year. Yes. It's immeasurable. Uh, yeah, can't put a dollar figure on it. You can't even put a, a quantity of hours on it that would accurately reflect the value of it. No, absolutely, no, no. You know, when we invest in ourselves, and we talked about it, the biggest investment in your life, the most important one to me is yourself. Yes. When someone invests in themselves and in essence invests in you, what should they expect when they enter your reality, Becky's reality, and, and they enter the world of the Butterfly Society? So- The Butterfly Society is meant to be a collective of people who have had a lot of on-paper success, but haven't yet fully unraveled what success really means to them. And so they can expect to have a lot of support from me and from, from guest experts and from tools and content to help them define what I call their happiness recipe, which is the name of a book that I wrote. And It really starts with, the process starts with, and this is counterintuitive to some people, but it starts with fully landing and creating your happiest right now without making major changes. Because I get a lot of, I've had a lot of clients come and they're like, I I have got to a new career. Like it has to be a new career. Like, cool. But we're not going to play the game of escaping your unhappiness into a new career. We're first going to get as settled as we can get right where we are. And then we can architect your happiness. And so it starts with landing, then launching, and then continuing to have the tools to maintain a happy life. Wow. Can you say, I, I, I w- if you don't mind, say that again. It starts with and ends, you know, kind of goes from, I want to hear that one more time. And I want yeah. the listeners to hear it. So it starts with landing where you are right now and really figuring out, reconnecting with yourself, getting ha- as happy as you can in your current circumstances, and then using that as a platform from which to architect and launch into your future happiness, and then having the tools to continue to allow you to fly happy. I love that. I'm just sitting here rigorously typing that out because I love (laughs) that. And I want to remember that one for a conversation I'm going to have later on tonight. So, you know, I'd love to hear a success story. Someone that worked with you, they, you know, as you put it, they were, they, they, they have their landing, you know, where they're at right now. Okay. 
and they're using their current platform to launch into what their future happiness is. Give us an example, if you wouldn't mind, and share a story of where someone was at, but because they came and they worked with you, the outcome was said outcome. So there's, I mean, I can think of, I'll, I'll share two that are very different, if that's okay. And they'll be sure, I'll keep them short. I'm good at deep and brief. So one is a woman who came to me as she had just reached a new level of leadership in her company. And so this story is a little bit different, but she came to me saying, okay, I'm now at the, at the big kids table and I need to emulate Sally and Joe because they are good leaders and I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to be them. And I was like, uh, yeah, it makes sense because you're not them, right? You're you. So let's start with figuring out how you are and how you got to this place and what are your strengths. And then let's use that as a point to launch this career. And she wasn't looking to leave her company, but she was feeling very uncomfortable and very unsettled. The short answer is, or the short summary is in the past year and a half, she has moved up two levels in her company and is now at the like the the adults table <laughs> um, and really making a huge, more importantly to her, a huge impact in a, in a world and a job that is very meaningful to her. And so that's been a fun process to watch her really lean into bringing her full self to work, lean into figuring out how she was going to measure success and how she was going to show up. Now I'll give you a total separate example. I had a woman come to me, a little bit of a different situation. She um, was a, uh, in, she was a hair hair person, a hair artist, I'll call her best way. And she was really good at it and in demand and had a waiting list a mile long, but didn't want to do it anymore. And the work that we did together gave her the foundation from which, which to pivot and launch a successful uh, nutrition coaching business. So two very different stories. One was both equally important transformations. One required really turning her life upside down in a way that was kind of dramatic. And the other one just really required leaning into herself. And that's one of my big beliefs is that finding more happiness, it's like radical transformation optional. You know, it doesn't have to be like, oh, I have to leave my relationship or my job or whatever. Like it can just be about really doing the work to connect with yourself and figure out how to use, how to play to your strengths. Yeah. And your first example, you're like, she's now, my, I, I, I'm paraphrasing one of the words, an impact, something yes. that actually makes a difference. And, and she's at the bit, the big kid's table and, yep. and making an impact over a short period of time. Yep. And again, I, I, I know I said this before, but when you surround yourself with the right people, you rearrange your Rubik's cube. They're going to help you see around a corner. Becky's going to help you see around that corner, that bullet that bends before you step in that pothole, you know, and, and, and figuratively break your leg. That's why being in the right mastermind, being in the right room, making sure you're with a result leader, you mm -hmm. know, an activator. I love motivators, but I'm more a fan of an activator, you know, yay, rah, rah, rah. But at the end of the day, we want someone that's going to activate and get us to where we want to go and can see the best in us. That's the amazing thing. Yeah, I'll say ironically, like I definitely would consider myself an activator, but, 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 and this is an important but, a big part of what I do also is help people to slow down. I love that. <laughs> one of my, one of my business, okay, yeah. my taking naps, slowing down, just taking a breath, you're not going to miss out. Uh, he, he's the one who, who got me. He's like, just take a nap, slow mm -hmm, just the do F down. Mm -hmm. you, you'll wreck yourself. You'll blow yourself up by thinking, I got to go chase this. Mm-hmm. When people move slower, they make better decisions. Yeah. They're more efficient. They get better results. Like 100% slowing down is like the missing link for a lot of people. Yeah. Stop being in such a hurry to get there when you don't even know what there is. Yeah. You'll make mistakes along the way. Like you said, like you absolutely, I'm learning something new right now with my business partners. And I'm just like, 
I want to understand this much of it. You go do the rest. Yes. Like, because I'm going to try to race there and I'll make a lot of the wrong missteps. Yep. yep. Bad idea. Let me tell you people, yep. bad idea. All right. I got a few questions here okay. as we come to the end. You know, I feel in times of prosperity, the winds come in easier, mm-hmm. but I think creativity and ingenuity come when we feel the squeeze and the world is still feeling some form of a squeeze at the end of the day. What are you working on right now that's going to take place over the next 12 months that excites you? Hmm. So, I mean, I feel like I've built so much in the last 12 months. What I'm, what I'm working on right now that excites me, this might be a non-traditional answer, is enjoying what I've built. Wow. I love it. Enjoying and actually taking the time to sit back, breathe, and see what's been built. Mm-hmm. And then maybe make some few tweaks. I mean, who knows what's going to come? Yeah. But I'm... I'm very much trying to, in the slowdown mentality, trying to say, okay, but I'm here. Like I, I am somewhere and it is a good place. And if I can't stop and appreciate the good place, what's the point of building it? Yeah. Yeah. What, what, yeah. I, you look back 10 years have gone by, you're like, what did I, oh, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. You know, I have mm-hmm. no idea. Burnout's going to happen. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to blow yourself up and you're going to sit there and, and again, figuratively blow yourself up by the way, just for anyone listening. Yes. Um, but it's, not going to be a good yep. outcome. All right. Last one. What is a tip, a tactic, an actionable item that if anyone listening to this today implemented it over the next 30, 60, 90 days, they'd see a real impact on their personal or business life? So this tip isn't even going to take you 30, 60, or 90 days. And we've already alluded to it when we talked about the astronaut. Here's the tip. Figure out what makes you happy. And let me be clear. I have a very specific framework for this. I'll share it here. It's short. Ask yourself, what makes me happy? Write down the answer. Then ask yourself, what about that thing makes me happy? Write down the answer. Do that at least seven times. And then look back at that list because on that list, you will have identified your one or more of your essential sources of joy. And you'll know it's an essential source of joy when it's something you could sprinkle into any day. So like we talked about the astronaut, it might be adventure. It might be learning new things. It might be, I don't know, looking at stars, whatever. Find the thing and then repeat, rinse and repeat for as many happiness things you can think of. And then you're going to have a menu. And then when you're having a hard day or an awesome day and you want more happiness, pick some things off the menu and drop them on into your life. The end. Wow. And and and, and I love where we're going to end with that one because some of my favorite ones are the simplest. That I, this is the last question I always ask. And that is super simple. Mm-hmm. You know, it could take you five minutes. It could take you 30 minutes, but write it down. Don't just say it sitting there. Pen to paper, as I tell anyone that's listening to this, take pen to paper. Start with one. Try to get to seven. If you can go beyond seven, good for you. Awesome. But actually look at that and then keep those up. You know, surround mm-hmm. yourself. So when I look when I look at Becky's uh, room, and, and <laughs> I know you can't see it right now. Someday we'll, we'll include the audio out there, probably, you know, one of the platforms. I see things that are probably meaningful and make her happy what is around her. And then why I, why I noticed that, and it wasn't until recently, one of my coaches, Dr. Jeff Spencer, my corner man, sat there and said, you need to walk into your office and it needs to make you happy. It needs to remind you of things of why it's driving you. And I'm like, all right, I got to remove stuff from the walls. I got to get rid of that thing that's sitting right there. And you want a place. And that's what I'm seeing around Becky. Mm-hmm. You've got things that are making you happy. Absolutely. Beautiful, beautiful. We've got the founder of The Butterfly Society, Becky Morrison. Becky, thank you so much for the golden nugget you brought today. Thank you. This was awesome. Thank you for listening to The Mastermind Effect, your secret weapon for personal development. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to share with a friend and leave a five-star review on iTunes. 
And don't forget to subscribe through your favorite podcast host so you won't miss a single episode. You're one step closer to experiencing the Mastermind Effect.